fallen world and it is filled with flawed people there's no doubt about that many times people will mistreat us and oftentimes they do in those times there might be people that are coming against us or circumstances or situations that harm us there will be times when people will purposefully come against us revile us abuse us lie about us and inflict pain on us in some way it's just part of living in a fallen world and it will be that way until the Lord gives us a new heaven and a new earth and he gives us glorified bodies without sin and we will live with him and the saints of God in that new creation and in that time and in that place there will be no experience like what we're experiencing today God will fill us God will be part of all things and even today we're getting tastes of that we're getting the filling of the Spirit of God. We're getting the grace movement of God in us. He's empowering us to respond according to His grace and His love when evil comes against us. And God is recording every infraction and every injustice that comes against us. God is keeping a record to that. So the suffering may come to us in multiple ways, including being belittled by people. Perhaps you have a raw memory of somebody ridiculing you, making fun of you, or mocking you, pointing out something about you that causes others to laugh at your own expense. Maybe it's a family member, a friend, a co-worker, somebody on your team, a classmate, or somebody else in your life that just knows where you're vulnerable and seems to go to that place, often embarrassing us thoroughly enough that the scars leave lasting memories for us. Perhaps your betrayer is one of those. Maybe it's your spouse who's betrayed you. Betrayed the love that you shared before. Betrayed the vows. Maybe he broke those or she broke the promises that were given. Thus your heart is broken. Betrayal sometimes comes from someone that you've confided in. You shared truth with them. You shared openly to them. And they betrayed that and wounded you deeply. Sometimes it's close friends who do that. King David understood that and he wrote a psalm about that in Psalm 55 he says this for it was not an enemy who taunts me then I would bear it it's not an adversary who deals insolently with me then I could hide from him but it is you a man my equal my companion my familiar friend we used to take sweet counsel together within God's house we walked in the throne what he's saying there is the closer the betrayer, the deeper the hurt oftentimes. And maybe you've experienced that from somebody close to you, somebody that pledged love to you. Sometimes the betrayer isn't a person. Maybe it's an institution. Maybe it's a company. Maybe it's that company that you've dedicated your heart to, given your life to. You've poured your energy into it. You've given them your years, only to find out in the end they give you the pink slip. They give you the termination notice. They give you the early retirement. They force you in a direction you weren't anticipating. And that betrayal brings brokenness and hurt. Maybe the betrayer is a betrayer of loyalty and different expressions and different measures of hurt. It could come from an abuser. The infliction from someone 
that abuses you. Often someone is close to us that tends to be the most prominent abuser in our life. Did you know, according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, one in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence at the hand of their partner. One in seven women have actually been physically hurt by that, a quarter of men in that way. Maybe the betrayer in your life, the one who has wounded you, affected you so is someone that is close to you. Perhaps the experiences are emotional or physical or maybe even sexual wounds. Maybe you've experienced them from a family member, a friend, a someone close to you in another way a physical emotional or sexual experience that has brought intense pain i think what this message is meant to do right out of the gate is just to say i'm sorry for that i wish it weren't that way but we do live in a broken world and we do live among fallen people i can't stop the pain that is being inflicted around this place but i do have a declaration for you and that is you do not have to bear the pain alone and you do not have to be defeated in the pain. You can experience victory in the midst of the suffering. I would say that the Lord would have us to call out to Him. If you're experiencing that pain, if you have scarring, woundedness, physically, emotionally, sexually, whatever the case might be, Call out to the Lord. Isn't that what the psalmist was doing? David in the, in the 55th Psalm was just declaring to the Lord. He says, but I call to you, God, to the Lord. You will save me. Here is declaration of verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. Call out to him. He's listening. He's hearing you. He will respond to you. So call out to the Lord. Call out to your church family. Call out to the people in this body. We are a body, meaning that we are connected together. We are one together, connected to one another. And you ought to be free to share your story with people in this membership. Share your story with somebody in your life group. Share it with your life group leader. Share it with a ministry staff person. Share it with a member of this body who is Christ-centered, biblically-centered, and who loves you. Share your story. Share your story with me. Let us hear your hurt. Cry out to the Lord and cry out to others. And then know this. Consider the eternal value of responding well. So can't do anything about the pain that's inflicted in a broken world, but we can respond well and we can have eternal reward for responding well. Although the suffering is temporary, there is eternal reward to be gained when we respond well to the suffering. Look what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to do this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Bless the one who has offended you. Bless the one who has inflicted hurt in your life. For this we have been called, and that we might obtain a blessing in responding in such a way. So suffering doesn't always come at the hands of someone. It could be by an experience, a circumstance, a situation that's gone on in your life. Maybe it's a thwarted dream 
You thought it was going to be this way, and it turned out not to be. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. You never saw life without that individual. Maybe it's an unrecoverable failure. You're just not going to be able to recoup from that particular failure. Or maybe it's a wayward child or a belligerent parent. I've heard that on both extremes of people who are longing and disappointed about their children that they might come back or a an adult who has a belligerent parent in their elderly days caring for and loving them but yet they're not very receiving of that maybe it's a financial hardship some other disappointment in your life and that situation or that circumstance seems to be mounting in your life and it's just hard to overcome none of us can change the fact that we face suffering in this world it's a broken world suffering is inevitable in life but that does not mean that we have to be defeated by it it does not mean that we have to respond sinfully to it in fact christians are empowered to handle suffering differently than everybody else in the world god gives us a unique empowerment in the midst of suffering so when we suffer which we do when we suffer the lord gives sustaining grace when we suffer he gives empowering strength when we suffer he gives consuming love when we suffer he gives a different perspective of the suffering a refining touch an eternal hope and certainly the model of jesus himself god enables us to live differently in the midst of our suffering so we experience suffering but we have an opportunity to either choose to believe or brood could i ask you which one's most natural to you believing or brooding in the suffering believing or brooding when we're believing i think we're doing this while we're suffering believing that we can draw near to god in the midst of the suffering believing that god allows the experience for us to have a greater fellowship with christ knowing the fellowship of his suffering believing the promises of god that there is hope even in the midst of suffering i'm going to talk more about that in a moment about what all of that means and how we're inclined to live that way but i think you're going to have a choice of either believing god through the suffering or brooding in the suffering brooding is drawing deeper into the pain it's not letting the pain be released it's thinking about it meditating on it contemplating brooding over it causes us to go deeper into pain it causes a greater sense of despair as if we can't get away from it and it prompts us to respond in sinful ways including that of wrath so during our 40 days of renewal as you know we're looking at seven de deadly sins and how christ jesus gives us victory from those sins the the point of wrath for me is there's an undercurrent that if we're not careful and we brood over the suffering it will move us sinfully to wrath and jesus has come to set us free from that he's come to set us free from the obligation that wrath has in our life to be expressed so when you think about the people or the situations that have caused you suffering i think you're going to choose one of the two you're going to choose believing or you're going to choose to brood over that circumstance so wrath is a fleshly response to that suffering brooding brings about wrath let's look at a defining way of wrath as i was just contemplating it this week and looking at it from all angles of scripture 
this is sort of where I've settled in, that wrath is a heightened emotional state resulting from unyielding anger, which is often vengeful and resentful. Now, let me just go in this idea of, of anger for a moment. Anger in and of itself is not bad. In fact, anger can be very helpful. God has given us the emotion of anger because it prompts us to do something. And in the right way, in a tempered way, by the Spirit, it will prompt us to act in a righteous way. For instance, if you saw a child being abused, you ought to be angry about that. Or when I see elderly people being abused, I'm angered by that, and you are too. And that anger is of God, and it provokes in us a righteous indignation that moves us to respond. It, remove, it moves us to action that we might help the little one or help the vulnerable one. But when it's unyielded, when it's not contained by the movement of the Spirit, by the counsel of the Word of God, when, when anger is allowed to just settle and stay overnight and you brood about it, then it's not holy anger. It's very sinful. It moves us to wrath and respond in ways of rage. So unyielding is a big word regarding anger. Is your anger tempered by the Spirit? In all this that we're doing in 40 days, what we're asking is that the Spirit of God would renew us. And in the renewal means that we are tempered by it. So last week we were talking about lust here. Lust is an untempered way of sexual expression. But when it's tempered by the Spirit of God within the boundaries that God has established for us, it is absolutely beautiful and wonderful, is it not? Anger that is untempered, unyielded to the Spirit of God can really be a, an issue of rage and wrath. And it turns to vengefulness and resentfulness. And I think vengefulness and resentfulness are untrusting characteristics that we have, just not trusting in God's justice. Not believing that God is going to be the just one in the end, that He's going to handle the situation. We take it upon ourselves to enact justice ourselves. We, we enact revenge ourselves because we don't understand and discover all the truths and the care that God is providing for us. So wrath has a tendency to move in that direction. That's the reason why Proverbs talks many times about the sin of wrath and how it moves us on a path of folly towards destruction. For instance, Proverbs 29, 22. A man of wrath stirs up strife and one given to anger causes much transgression. So are you one? that has anger that's vented, stirring up strife, causing much offense to those people around you? Are you the hothead? Are you the one that has to get it off your chest? Are you the one that has to speak your mind? Are you the one that allows the anger to brood or vent quickly without the yielding or the temperance of the Holy Spirit? Then this is what he says. Hatred stirs up strife and love can cover over that offense. Wrath stirs up strife. Anger causes much transgression. Uh, here's one, Psalm 37 is probably the most specific text uh, that I've seen this week that just really has gripped me. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. So you can have anger, but refrain from it. Let it be tempered, but always forsake wrath. Wrath is never a response of those who are uh, indwelt and filled by the Holy Spirit. 
fret not yourself it tends only to evil for the evil doers shall be cut off but those who wait for the lord shall inherit the land so you're going to have this suffering refrain from anger in the suffering don't lash out with wrath don't fret i think that's the emotional brooding that happens don't fret that only tends to evil just recognize that that god is going to be the provider and if you yield this to god he will provide the blessing now if you take it upon yourself there is no blessing in that so this fretfulness this anger hatred and wrath all bring about more sin and hurt into our already wounded hearts so proverbs reminds us over and over again that being wrathful and hateful and angry and bitter and quick-tempered and unforgiving is all a path of folly that leads to destruction it destroys things it brings death to relationship and destroys people that's why jesus has come to free us from that he's come to free us from brooding and responding in wrath so while fretting and hating and wrathfulness are reactions of the flesh, you and I must stay vigilant to not be enslaved to those kind of emotions. With the freedom of Christ, with the nature of the Holy Spirit, we can be set free from that. You can be set free from wrath. You can be set free from rage. Now, you won't be able to do it on your own. You haven't been able to do it on your own all this time. That, this is something that requires a change of heart, not a change of behavior. But Christ has come to give us a new heart. And with the new heart comes a new way. And so I implore you to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ that you might be transformed and radically so. In our culture, we have a, a promotion of wrath and revenge. Have you ever noticed that? The world loves to get even stories. In fact, the music that we sing is often about that. Remember some time ago, Carrie Underwood wrote this song, Before He Cheats. Remember that song? It debuted at number five on the Billboard chart, and it stayed on the Billboard rankings for 33 consecutive weeks. We like the idea of somebody getting revenge. And in this case, it's a jilted lover that she's singing about. You remember the lyrics? Let me read them to you right now he's probably dabbing on three dollars worth of bathroom polo oh and he don't know anybody wearing three dollar bathroom polo today <laughs> she says while he's doing that i dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped up four-wheel drive carved my name into his what leather seats I took a Louisville slugger to both headlights. I smashed a hole, I slashed a hole in all four tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he... Oh, you know that song well, don't you? <laughs> and you like it. Perhaps you're amused by the dark wrathfulness of the band Perry, who sings Better Dig too. You heard that one? I told you on the day we wed, I was gonna love you till I was dead. I didn't say the lyrics were good. I just said they were going to be read. <laughs> if the ties that bind ever do come loose, if forever ever ends for you, if that ring gets a little too tight, you might as well read me my last rites. And let the stone say, ready for this? Here lies the girl whose only crutch was loving one man just a little too much. 
if you go before I do, going to tell the grave digger that he better dig for two. In other words, don't you leave this relationship unless you know you're going to be buried when I am. Books and movies, they all sell when there's a wrathful revenge. I grew up with Charles Brunson, Clint Eastwood. I enjoyed those shows because they were always the hero who got street justice, didn't they? We like the idea of wrathful revenge. But in comparison to the songs and the movies of wrath, we might determine that we're free from that. I'm not going to be Charles Bunsen going out on a vigilante, wrathful rage. And honestly, as I was getting ready for this message over the last numbers of days, just contemplating wrath, that's the thing about the preacher. He gets to contemplate it long before you do. Propped up in my bed because I've been amped up on steroids from a little sickness my wife said when you start taking those you're not going to sleep very well she's a prophet i haven't been sleeping very well (laughs) so i'm having crazy conversations with the spirit of god you ever do that in the bed now lord this message coming up on wrath i know that's not a big deal to me but where you find it in me would you just let me know i'm pretty easy to have those kind of prayers about those kind of sins that i think that i'm pretty clean on in a self-righteous way. I think I got this one, Lord. But if you find it in me, let me know. Not a couple of days later, I was in conversation with a friend of mine. We had a mutual acquaintance that he had brought up who seems to be in some sort of trouble. And as he was mentioning the trouble, I thought, I didn't say it, but I thought, well, now there. That serves him right, right there. Because what he did to me, he had coming. In fact, the sinful notion that I was thinking was, what goes around, comes around. And all that's completely disassociated with me, have nothing to do with it, that situation I now put myself in as getting revenge. And I came to conclude that just because I'm not belligerent and vocal and rageful in an out loud way, I can have silent rage in my heart. And the Lord made mention to me in that moment, it's your heart, Randy, that defiles you. It's not just your words. It's not just your rage. It's not just that you have wrathful expression. It's your heart that defiles you it's what comes out of you in the inner dialogue in the conversation with your conscience it's that how incredibly sinful i am when it comes to wrath silent wrath ignores people it doesn't speak to them it withholds love from them it has a tendency to gloat when the other person experiences trouble it's foolish and it's destructive and it's sinful In fact, the scripture says this this way in Proverbs 24. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased. Now look at this last part. And turn away his anger from him. See, you can stay angry at the person or you can let God be angry at the person and bring about 
perfect justice, but you can't have both. All right, let me rehearse that again. You can stay angry with the person and want your wrathful revenge, even if it's silent, or you can let God focus on it and bring perfect justice, but you can't have both. And what I was doing was taking it upon myself rather than trusting God for it. You may console yourself in the sin of silent wrath by saying, but you know, I'd really never act on it. I'd never bring it about. However, we are defiled by the sin of our heart just as we're defiled by the outward manifestations of that sin. The intent of revenge always starts with the heart and we're accountable to God for it as we are everything else that's in our heart. And Jesus made it clear in the Sermon on the Mount that he's most interested in our heart. So we express verbal wrath with words and actions of rage, belittling people with outburst. It can manifest in a number of different ways. It doesn't have to be in rage. It could be gossiping and tearing somebody down, seeking and talking about them when the opportunity is there to rip them apart, to plan and implement a plan for revenge in some way. All of that is expressions of wrath. Jesus has come to set us free from verbal wrath and silent wrath, both of which are expressions of an inward hurtful heart that is moved towards sin an ungiven heart to the workings of the holy spirit so may he free us from that may he make us all together new in that is there somebody in your life that you've yet to forgive somebody in your life that the pain and the suffering that they brought into you has caused significant damage and woundedness and you brood over it is there somebody there that the Lord says, I've come to give you freedom from that, from the continuation of the woundedness of your heart, from the defilement of your heart? The Lord wants to transform your life and my life, and he wants to do it with this sustaining grace and empowered work by his spirit. He, he wants to bring transformation with his consuming love. He wants to make us to understand a different perspective, to give us a refiner's touch through the suffering. He wants us to experience eternal hope that there is a new justice to be served in the future. So if I were going to come to conclusion in this first two-thirds of the message it would be to this that often the peace that we experience in brokenness is equal to the measure of grace we extend to the betrayer you can't stop the suffering for we live in a broken world filled with people who are broken we can't stop the suffering but my friends you and i don't have to experience the brokenness of suffering and what jesus is saying is i've come to make you whole so in giving you grace to respond with grace, you can be blessed and find real freedom. So I'm going to ask us to receive the gospel in full measure in that way, to be renewed in our lives that we might have the freedom that Christ has extended to us. So here's three parting thoughts. You can trust Jesus with the pain that you suffer. You can trust him. Hebrews 4 talks about that. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need you can trust Jesus with your suffering you can trust him with your pain he knows what it's like you say well the friend that wounded me the loved one that wounded me was close to me listen Jesus lived three years with the wounded betrayal of Judas he lived with his friends his closest friends day and night and watched every one of them forsake him he watched the nation that he came to save abandon him he watched the family that he had been born into reject him Jesus knows the bitter kiss of betrayal you can trust him with your suffering and with your pain you can trust him and you can trust Jesus to completely forgive your sins stirring you to forgive others freely you can trust him he says in this model prayer forgive us our debts for we uh, we also have forgiven our debtors and then he explains for if you have forgiven others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses you can trust him to forgive to the full measure that you can be forgiving to others you see if you're having a trouble forgiving somebody if you're having trouble forgiving someone it's your trouble is with the forgiveness that you've received from Christ this is the way the gospel works if you're having trouble loving somebody it's because you don't know the fullness of God's love if you're having trouble forgiving it's because you don't recognize the fullness of Christ's forgiveness in you for when we have received the fullness of forgiveness we can then freely forgive other people and when we have received the fullness of God's love which is being poured into our heart by the Holy Spirit then we can fully love other people so you can trust that Christ is fully and, and giving you complete freedom from your sin such that you can forgive others who sin against you you can trust him to forgive you enough for you to forgive other people And then you can trust the Lord to bring justice and vengeance on your behalf. Jesus did. Nobody suffered in this world like Jesus has suffered. Yet he trusted God the Father in the end to bring justice. He trusted him for it. For this is, the grace, this is a gracious thing when mindful of God one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. In the moment of his greatest suffering, Jesus trusted his heavenly Father for justice and we can trust him too you might be thinking well I can't let go of it I can't just let them off the hook I can't just free them for the wrong that they've done against me well the answer is clear my friends that you got to have faith and trust that God will take care of it you have to trust that you don't have to hold on to the pain. God will hold the pain. 
you don't have to insist that there is payment for sin. God will insist that there is payment for the sin against you. You don't have to want, be the one to bring about justice. God will bring justice. And in the end, if you give that to a person who is bringing suffering into your life, if you forgive them, then my friend, you can be certain that you will be blessed and God will exercise justice. Now, you do it one of two ways. If the person who is sinning against you is one who is saved by faith and they're sinning against you acting in the flesh and it's brought rather than you acting in wrath you trust God for it then my friends you can trust that Jesus Christ bore the weight of that sin and paid the justice for that individual in perfect form and God will be glorified for that all the more you can trust him for that and if the person never repents, they never turn from their sin. They're always belligerent in their sin. They never rectify in one way. You can trust that God is holding an account of every infraction like that. And there is a day coming in the future that every person will stand before him and give account for every sin that's ever been committed against him and against his saints. And he will hold them accountable, bringing justice to them to be paid for all eternity. You can trust him for that. And because of that, you can let it go. Just let it go. Be free from the woundedness and the suffering. You say, but they ought to pay. Oh, they will. For Jesus has. And you can trust God for that. You can trust him. It's the reason why Paul says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do good. He says, Do what's honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as long as it depends on you, in other words, if it's in your measure to do so, your ability to do so, live at peace with everybody. Look what he says in verse 19 Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So friends, if we trust God and forgive people who have wronged us, letting go of wrath, and we do them good, it will either lead them to repentance or they will see the grace and the glory of Christ in our expression towards them. It will either bring greater glory or it will bring greater justice. And in the end, God is worthy of all of that. Trust. Either way, God's going to take care of the problem and he will handle it completely. So let the wrath go. Let it go. Let the anger, let the vengefulness, let the unyielded anger, let it go. Be renewed by the Spirit, be tempered by him, walk in the blessings of living well in the midst of suffering today your life will be better for it and Jesus will be most glorified in it pray with me oh Lord I pray that you give us wisdom in this where we've been walking in folly where our hearts 
defilement has been exposed by your spirit renew us we confess our sin before you Lord and we repent away from it turning to you the righteous wise way that leads to life eternity and eternity I pray Lord that you find us faithful as you have inclined your word to us give us the measure of grace to walk in its truth I pray for freedom in the name of Jesus from everybody who has been enslaved to wrath I pray for freedom for those who have held the resentment for all these years I pray the freedom of Christ who died and set us free to give us newness of life in the resurrection I pray for the freedom of the spirit I pray the freedom of forgiveness that has been given to us freedom that is now freely given in forgiveness to other people and I pray for the love of Christ that is fully given in measure to us to be given in measure to those who have wounded us and hurt us I pray that you would fill us with blessing that we might be a blessing to others and draw attention to the glory of the gospel of Jesus I pray this in his name.